0: in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. So they say two times a charm, three times a charm. Let me tell you, what you're hearing now is the second cut or version of the introduction to this week's episode of the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien. And the reason you're hearing it (laughs) this way and not the original way is not because we didn't think the original discussion was good we thought it was a great discussion the fact is that something strange happened to the recording Chris's voice could not be heard
2: yep I guess the universe is editing me
1: well you're trying
2: to be a trickster (laughs) no I I don't have to try it kind of comes with my territory I guess or something
1: so what do you think 2011 this is our first show for 2012 2012 what do you think were the most important developments, if any, in the field of paranormal research? It could be UFOs. It could be other paranormal phenomena. It could even be cryptozoology. What do you think? Any really big developments? Surprisingly, actually, Gene, nothing really springs to mind. Uh, I think some of
2: the UFO activity in you know the Kansas City sort of St. Louis areas is, is notable. Uh, we've had quite a bit of activity there, and also seems California is really is kind of leading the nation with siding events. And I think that that's also interesting that you should have uh, a place like like the Kansas area, uh, right in the center of the country, experiencing such high levels of siding activity. Of course, maybe our tax dollars at work are play, in play, but uh, I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the siding events unfold over you know this coming year and whether we do see return uh return to some of the levels of activity in the Rocky Mountains, which which I think have been fairly quiet. Uh and normally the Rockies tend to sort of lead the way in sighting activity and but not uh, not in twenty eleven. So uh I guess we'll have to kinda of wait and see. And also um I think the twenty twelve uh, Mayan calendar <laughs> Furor is gonna Make some for some interesting copy here uh, in the coming year, but uh, we'll have to reserve judgment on that. Maybe get a couple of shows uh, talking about the folly that uh, the media is perpetrating on everybody concerning this uh, upcoming winter solstice uh, in a year. But uh, it's going to be it's going to get a lot more
1: interesting before it gets any more indulging. I want to ask you about that. Okay, the folly the media is responsible for about 2012 in the Mayan calendar how about the reader's digest version and we'll discuss this in more detail in future shows
2: well again it's you know it's like freaking out cuz you remember how our, our cars used to have analog odometers and they click over at like 999 uh or 99,000 they click over uh, to back to zero that's basically what's going on with three of the Mayan calendars there's about 60 calendars 19 important calendars that uh Maya devised and the long count calendar which is a 26,000 year cycle um, is clicking over and that's the indication that our solar system has gone completely around the galaxy. And there's uh, the cartoon and the Bakhtun uh, which a 52 year cycle and I think a 3,200 year cycle. These are all ending, these cycles are ending and going into a whole new um, cycle. The way the media uh, makes it sound, there's one Mayan calendar and it ends, and uh, that's like saying our calendar ends. And uh, calendars don't end; they just uh, they just cycle through. And this is an important time period. I think uh, the Maya did recognize that whether uh, we're going to have to uh, move above four thousand feet or forty five hundred feet, as some people are saying, or whether the world's gonna you know have. Uh, really nasty events occur that remains to be seen it it wouldn't surprise me the way things are going but i think the media is doing doing the whole subject a disservice by by promoting this whole kind of doom and gloom scenario that i don't think is accurate
1: well you know what makes things more difficult here is the fact that once something gets started in the media the meme of the month it's very difficult sometimes impossible to change things
2: yeah. Yeah and and people are so they're so inured by their televisions that they don't uh, they don't take the time to do their their own research and get the uh the facts. I mean, I was watching the History Channel uh I think about 4 or 5 years ago. And um you know, you think the History Channel would would get basic facts right. <laughs> they made the <laughs> the statement that the the Maya who went extinct in the 1300s it's like, you know, they don't mention that the Maya are the largest group of indigenous Americans. There's like 3.5 or 4 million Maya, I think at last count. And they made it sound like the Maya are an extinct people.
1: How do it they is- react to this being told they're extinct? <laughs> well,
2: Don Alejandro, who, who is one of the real Guatemalan timekeepers, he's, he's the real deal. He came uh, to Sedona and spoke uh, a couple of years back. And I just out of curiosity, I went to the event and... He got up there and, and he was really funny uh, through an interpreter. He says, "You you know you white boys think you've got got the whole Mayan thing all figured out and you, you don't have a clue." He said, "This whole you know end of the uh, of these cycles in the Mayan calendars, uh, it's it's not a particular date when anything's going to happen. It, it could happen right now. It could happen in five minutes. It could happen tomorrow, next week. We're in that time period where significant change is going to occur uh, on the planet." You just have to be ready for it. And he said something very cryptic to me, uh, which sounded cryptic to me, and and it's also echoed by the Hopi, who have a very similar uh, admonishment to people, and that is, if one day you wake up and the sun doesn't come up, (laughs) lock your doors, shut your curtains, lock your windows, and no matter who comes to your door, do not open it. And I found that very interesting, that the Maya and the Hopi and uh, in this case, two elders uh, from these particular cultures are, are echoing each other and saying the virtually the same exact thing. I, I find that very interesting.
1: Well, it's kind of a fatalistic kind of thing. Like if the world is going to end, well, it's over. Just make your plans if you're still around to see the final stages of it. I guess uh,
2: I'm I'm the eternal optimist, so I'm, I'm helping fill the glass. Forget the half empty, half full stuff. The glass will be full, and I prefer if if I have to buy into a scenario, where, you know, either doom or gloom or transformation. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm helping transform myself and everybody else already. So,
1: speaking of transformation, we have a transformative guest this week, returning we do, to our do. show, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. What does she have for us this time? Well, Rosemary is one
2: of my favorite investigators in the field. She's a prolific author. She's written over fifty books, including six encyclopedias. I had the distinct pleasure and honor of of having uh, her accompany me on a trip to the San Luis Valley in the the spring. She is a top-notch professional in the field. I I learned a lot from her. Uh, Her latest book is called Rosemary Ellen Guiley's uh, Pocket Dream Dictionary and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about dream interpretation. There's over 600 terms in her dictionary. already written several books on dreams and was, uh, was a board, uh, I think a board member, one of the board of directors of, uh, of an, uh, an association of, uh, of dream investigators, uh, or she'll tell us about that. I'm not sure what the actual organization's name is, but she is one of my favorite people in the field. She's really grounded, uh, has helped many, many people who have had tremendously, uh, life-changing experiences related to the paranormal, and this is really gonna be a fascinating talk.
1: Definitely, when it gets down to dreams, it's something that I haven't really thought much about. I mean, involved in paranormal research, involved in reading about this stuff, but I haven't really looked at my own dreams to see whether the ones that seem to occur over and over have any specific meaning. And, you know, maybe I'll think about it real carefully whether I should disclose any of those dreams in the course of the show. It doesn't mean I've had some really oddball paranormal experiences or that anything I say should be taken as more than just an anecdote here and there. But I might present a few. Do you think you can handle it? Can you handle the truth?
2: <laughs> well, this will be interesting, Gene. You're pretty close to the vest with a lot of things. Uh, it'll be interesting to hear what you have to say about your dream life.
1: My vest? Yeah, let me look at my vest. No, I'm not wearing my vest today. <laughs> All right. For our first show of 2012, we have Rosemary Ellen Guiley coming up next on The (laughs) Paracast. As you know, the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 85,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service, such as Steve Jobs, the best-selling authorized biography from Walter Isaacson. For that free audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast.
4: Jason Lewis here with the holidays just around the corner. Be sure to consider the greatest gift you can give to your friends and family peace of mind. That's why I choose WiseFoodStorage.com WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious, ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff and pasta alfredo that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. And they're ready to eat in minutes. Simply add hot water. Request a free entree sample today at WiseFoodStorage.com and for a limited time, get free shipping and 10% off of your order. That's right, a free entree free shipping, and 10% off any order. Just use promo code LEWIS, call 855-FOODWISE, that's 855-366-3947, or visit wisefoodstorage.com, that's WISE, W-I-S-E, FoodStorage.com. Gourmet emergency food at the best price and the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love this holiday season.
5: Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. the ...active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali-C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali-C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali-C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali-C. For more information and to order Ali-C, call 877-888-7126 or go to GarlicHealthProducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126. Or go to GarlicHealthProducts.com for your Alley C today.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download, direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at
1: iTunes. Back with the Paracast is Rosemary Ellen Guiley. It says on her website, visionaryliving.com, at the crossroads of time, space, and infinity, which kind of mirrors what we're doing at the Paracast, trying to find the signal with all that noise. You're listening to Gene and Chris. Rosemary, welcome back. So glad to have you again.
6: Well, thank you, Gene and Chris. I'm delighted to be back on the Paracast. It's a great show, and I know we're going to talk about some very interesting topics tonight.
1: Well, one of the things that Chris was mentioning, you have a new book on dream interpretation. Give me the basics here.
6: I've been fascinated by the big meaning of dreams my entire life, and I have uh, kept a dream journal. I've written several books on understanding your dreams, especially from a spiritual perspective. Our dreams tell us about our concerns and our emotions and how we feel we're doing in life. They reflect back a lot of our concerns about what we're dealing with in waking life, but they also have a bigger component they speak to us on a spiritual level. Many of them are paranormal. And we also can have extraordinary experiences in dreams where we are literally in another dimensional reality.
1: So it's almost like traveling from here to there, but as far as your consciousness is concerned, you're asleep.
6: That's right. I think that we have experiences during dreaming that are either impossible or more difficult for us to have during waking consciousness when we're engaged in the physical reality. Now, the ancients knew this. Ancient cultures had a great appreciation for dreams and the ability of dreams to enable human beings to access the realm of the gods. Plato called dreams the between state, literally a place where the human consciousness would go during sleep to have interaction with the dead and the gods. This uh, tradition has Been passed on down through the centuries and is part of our dream work today. Now, dreams have sort of come and gone out of fashion a number of times in Western culture over the centuries. They have been downplayed in Christianity. There have always been doubts about dreams and in terms of do they speak the truth or not. Dreams have been considered to be imaginary, fanciful, dealing with sexual issues, but Dreams regained importance in the Western culture in the late 1800s with the development of uh, psychotherapy and uh, the emerging discipline of psychology. And Sigmund Freud was uh, the great pioneer there. He considered dreams to be the royal road to the unconscious. However, he looked at them as uh, largely expressing repressed emotions and especially having to do with sexual issues. Now, his most important pupil was Carl Jung, and Jung took dreams to another level. He was truly a mystic. He understood the uh, deep spiritual meaning of dreams, and he used a lot of his own dreaming experiences as a springboard for uh, how he developed his psychology uh, around dreams. Uh, Dreams to him were full of archetypes, which speak to human beings on a universal level. This gets back to what the ancients and Plato talked about in terms of the between state. And he developed this uh, approach to dreams in a much different way from Freud. And that's really a major component of our dream work today. Uh, Dreams that deal with Uh, our waking life issues, and also our spiritual issues, things that we deal with in our life journey and our concepts of ourselves as souls and in the big cosmic picture.
1: But I think the sense is here, do dreams present some other parallel reality? And how do you demonstrate that's the case?
6: Dreams are subjective. Uh, The only person who can truly interpret a dream is the dreamer himself. Other people can suggest meanings. Dream dictionaries are valuable starting points because they deal with a lot of common symbols that seem to have universal meanings to most people. But our dreams are about us in very unique ways. They mirror the context of our lives our personal beliefs, which are shaped by our own experiences, our culture, our background, our religion, our family life. And uh, so they're, um, they're really unique to the individual. But there are common patterns in dreaming that have been documented throughout the ages, and they have to do with our encounters. Um, these are big dreams where People say that they're not really certain that they're dreaming. They feel like they're having a real experience. And I think that uh, this is the case, that there is something about dreaming consciousness that opens us up to another reality, another dimension. And we have a breakthrough experience. We have real meetings with the dead. We have encounters with aliens, with alien beings. We have encounters with spirit guides and teachers, angels. Even demons all of these things are uh, possible in states of dreaming now Now, the
1: question I think that that raises Rosemary uh, forgive me for interrupting you is the reality of this are you actually physically going to this other reality or dimension or whatever or are you briefly living someone else's life
6: I believe that in many cases we are actually in another dimensional reality uh, much the same way in an astral projection, going out of body, we uh, have the the capability of projecting into another dimension for a different kind of experience. Uh, all of this, is, of course, is very hard to document scientifically because dreams really can't be replicated in a laboratory. About the only thing science has been able to study uh, concerning dreams are uh, some statistical evidence about precognition in dreams, and also telepathy in dreams. But the spiritual experience uh, is something that um, really depends on interpretation. It is subjective interpretation, but the patterns are very uh, common throughout history, that human beings have had certain kinds of dream experiences that seem to be other-dimensional and are fairly consistent in characteristics over the centuries.
2: One thing that I've noticed recently is some articles um, looking at the at brain science and the fact that uh, you know scientists are now studying dream subjects and mapping the patterning of of synaptic activity in the brain and and from what I can gather, certain types of dreams tend to um, create certain synaptic uh, pathways and. If this is true, then there may be some ability at some point to start mapping dreams and, and interpreting them in a hard scientific way in terms of how the brain actually functions. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Rosemary, is how about um, reoccurring dreams and dreams that, that seem to um, have a progression, like I, I have a, a series of, of dreamscapes. Uh, that are pretty easy for me to identify now, they seem to have a very similar kind of um of feel
1: in terms of the topography of the dreamscape and, and i'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this what you 're going to hear now is not a dreamscape. If you have a comment or a question about the paracast, why don't you send us a note news at the dot com that 's news at the dot com or give us a tweet at the Paracast on Twitter. At the Paracast. You're listening to Gene and Chris with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. You're in the Paracast.
7: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade.
1: We are the GCN Radio Network. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit MoseyPro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y-Pro.com.
3: We'll
9: see you next
10: did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S. unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With liquid zeolite from restoreyourhealthnow.com. Without a doubt, liquid zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com long-range
8: patrol ration entrees if you know survival you know lrps are the undisputed king of military rations hands down the best for your bug out bag or survival pack to go farther faster and carry more food there's nothing better than a brick pack lrp cold weather ration entree nothing now, the Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at freezedryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today that's 866-404-3663 or freeze guy.com your source for survival food in an uncertain world
3: hi this is don ecker and you are tuned into the paracast let me tell you what you're gonna hear stuff here that you probably
1: won't hear anywhere else hear that george snorey wouldn't you know it, neighbors? Every time Chris begins a long monologue about something with an extensive question, we end up having to do that break on the power with Jean and Chris, Rosemary, Ellen, Guiley. Chris, you want to pick up on that thread? Well, yeah. In other words, uh, the whole idea of a particular setting that a
2: reoccurring dream occurs in, and not you know what I'm trying to describe is not necessarily a reoccurring dream, but it's a reoccurring sort of place which for many years, I didn't experience this, but for the past five or six years, I've had three pretty identifiable kind of feels and and looks to dreams, and and they're all in color. Most of my dreams are not in color. What do we know about this? Uh, Is there any way to to kind of, I don't know, sort of quantify this somehow? Uh,
6: Recurring dreams often have to do with things in life that aren't being resolved and when they are resolved, the recurring dreams stop. Uh, many of these are anxiety dreams, but sometimes we have big dreams where uh, we do feel like we're in uh, another extraordinary place. It might be an, an earthly landscape or something very different. We, the dreams have a different feel to them, a different emotional tone. We might be lucid in the dreams. Uh, these might have a spiritual purpose to them, for example, uh, some years ago, I went through a series of recurring dreams where I was always in the presence of a being that I described as an angel. That's how this being seemed to present itself to me. It could have been a spirit guide, a teacher. did not seem to be a human being. And the setting of the dreams uh, was always some sort of what I would call an unearthly landscape because none of the topography looked like anything that I had ever seen on Earth uh, either in real life or in any photographs. And these were teaching dreams where I was getting telepathic instruction from this, um, this being. And it seemed to pertain to my work in uh, this life and also just to the development, the unfolding of my life's path. These dreams recurred for um, quite a few months, and then they came to an end. And my interpretation of them was that Uh, I was getting some sort of spiritual education in this form, which had to take place during the dreaming state because I was outside of ordinary space and time. And when the instruction was complete, those dreams stopped. I think that um, uh, first we have to look at symbolism related to waking life because dreams do speak to us about ordinary life. And then we need to look at them from a spiritual perspective. So, Chris, if I were you, I would take those dreams and I I would say, okay, uh, what do they have to tell me about things going on in my life? And going on then to another level, how might they be addressing something on a larger scale from a paranormal or spiritual perspective?
2: you know i understand the the it's kind of a conventional interpretation of reoccurring dreams but but these are these are different um they're like serialized um i almost pick up where i left off and they're very positive they in a nutshell basically it's it's me teaching people how to fly and uh the more this dream progresses um over the months you know and i might have one every uh one of these dreams every couple of months or something, and this has been going on for, for a number of years, the dream seems to get more more involved, there's, there's more dramatic elements, but it's very positive uh, in terms of what I'm doing and how I'm, I'm sharing this knowledge of how to fly with other people. Now, there is some sort of kind of nefarious element that's sort of lurking around in the background, but it, it's, it's, it doesn't seem very threatening at this point. It did initially, but it doesn't now. And this is really unusual for me because I normally don't have dreams of this kind, and uh, d- a total color too. I I'm, I'm should add, and and completely lucid. I'm able to to go wherever I want in the dream. Well, Obviously, at the, yeah, it's it's very lucid, and I, I do have control. Um, but only control within the particular, you know, sort of situational, um, you know, the situation that's going on in the dream. It's not like I can. Um, I can only control myself within the dream parameters, let's say. Um, I can't say, well, I think I'm going to go visit the Dalai Lama, boom, and, and then go there. If that's not part of what's going on, then it never, it, it never seems to, you know, to enter my dream consciousness, uh, you know, to do something totally non-sequitur and out of the blue. But uh, within the context of the dream, I'm able to make choices. Um, I'm able to, to weigh options and that sort of thing, which um, I normally am not able to do that. So uh, is this a good thing, or <laughs> do I need some help? Oh, absolutely. Help?
6: You're very fortunate, Chris. Lucid dreaming is uh, considered to be a, a kind of a different frontier on dreaming. Some people lucid dream a lot, almost every night, and other people only have lucid dreams every now and then. And some people have the ability to sort of program lucid dreaming, like tell themselves before they go to sleep, I'd like to you know, be in control of my dreams tonight, and for others it's much harder. But the research that's been done on lucid dreams uh, has associated this particular state of dreaming with uh, healing, creativity, and kind of an evolutionary direction for human dreaming consciousness, so to speak. Uh, And being able to control the dream uh, seems to have uh, a lot of creative and healing energy to it Uh, when you can uh, direct the outcome, where you're going. And flying is a very common component of these dreams. It's associated, again, with creativity, with liberation, with being able to do extraordinary things. That is, maybe in these sorts of dreams, we're accessing a, a part of our potential that in waking consciousness, we don't seem to access very often.
1: Let me ask you briefly here, Rosemary. Does this signify possibly a frustration with your ability to make things happen, that maybe you want to make a breakthrough in business and personal life, and you're hitting a roadblock, and maybe the dream is showing you a direction?
6: It's possible. You would have to look at it from a context situation, like what else is going on in waking life. Sometimes flying dreams relate to a desire to escape one's circumstances, and other times a flying dream can represent liberation, a new creative height. So a lot depends on what's going on in life, and also the emotions of the dreamer in the dream and upon awakening, uh, whether or not there's anxiety associated with the dream or an exhilaration, for example.
2: Yeah, well, my, mine are definitely exhilarating, and they started out with me being able to 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 fly, but but slowly, kind of not really, almost like a you know a, a propeller plane in World War One. Now I can zip almost instantaneously anywhere I want to go, and I'm I'm showing other people how to do it, which I, I find particularly exhilarating. I must say.
6: One thing that you might try, Chris, uh, since you're able to direct the um, course and the outcome of the dreams is before you go to sleep at night, uh, ask for these lucid dreams and also to be given information in the dreams as to their purpose. Where are these dreams leading?
1: Now, when you say ask for the lucid dream and forgive me, I'm a neophyte on such subjects. It's like programming yourself, Gene. Yeah. How do you program yourself? Give yourself instructions.
6: uh, you can actually program yourself to, uh, to have certain kinds of dreams or to have your dreams give you specific information. This has been done since ancient times. And one of the easiest techniques is to uh, do some meditation before you go to sleep uh, with a specific question. Tonight I am going to dream the answer to this question, or tonight I would like um, a message um, pertaining to blank blank and uh, oftentimes the dreaming mind will respond, and uh, the information may come couched in symbols that you have to interpret. The message may be very clear in the dream. Sometimes the dream itself doesn't answer the question, but the answer is very clear to you when you awaken.
1: So you basically have a lot of details that you have to hopefully struggle and succeed in recalling. I am going to ask you, about some personal issues about this in a moment. We could hear some stuff about me that you may not want to hear. Not that weird. You'll see what I'm talking about. Rosemary Ellen Guiley joining us. We're talking about dream interpretation with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The
11: Paracast.
1: One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com.
12: That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com. Or call one 5 fake tv Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to fake FakeTV.com.
13: fake the burglar deterrent. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a... A no-brainer bio superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family learn more and order your bio superfood formulas at bioage.com spelled b-i-o-a-g-e.com bioage.com or call 877-288-9116 that's 877-288-9116 bio age the age of advanced organics
14: Warning. The unprepared may not survive the next natural disaster, terrorist attack, pandemic, or economic collapse. In light of recent global unrest and natural disasters, we bring you this urgent message from David Morris, author of the acclaimed Urban Survival Course. Because this message is urgent, we won't waste time on the why you should act now. You already know why. It's the very real and growing dangers reported in the media every day. Now it's the what you must do. Go to com and claim your free Urban Survival Mini Course that will prepare you right in your own home today david morris is offering you instant access to a seven-part urban survival mini course at free survival you should already be at your keyboard enough talk act now while you still have time and while it's still free free survival free survival or call 800-366-5138 800-366-5138 you'll be glad you did
15: Hello, this is John Burrows, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So, neighbors, if you have a comment or a question about the Paracast, you know where to send it, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. We promise to read each and every message, Chris and I, and we'll try to answer most of them. And by the way, if you do want to join... Our team, you have a background in sales, especially online sales, and broadcast experience as a salesperson is a must. Do write us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. I don't talk about myself very much on the show because I like to focus on what other people do. I'm Gene Steinberg with Chris O'Brien. We're talking to Rosemary Ellen Guiley. You've got a book out there about dream interpretation And one thing I see, for example, is I tend to be wary of heights. So I tend to have dreams sometimes trying to drive on a road that goes up a mountain, (laughs) which is not very pleasant. So is that just confirming what I already know about myself?
6: Our dreams always give us information that is helpful to us in new ways. You can consider them a mirror of truth, reflecting back to us our honest feelings, usually about how we think we're doing in life. Car dreams are very common, and they often represent the ego or the self. You know, it's like the vehicle you drive around life in. So uh, cars that are new and shiny or old and dilapidated might say something about um, something going on in life or some attitudes we have, whether or not we get lost, uh, we're on a crooked road, a straight road, going fast, going slow in the driver's seat, the passenger seat, All of these things are very valuable symbols. So going up a mountain is like conquering something. The the mountain is a symbol of um, spiritual heights, also intellectual heights. It can represent withdrawal from the world. It can represent the conquest, like climbing Mount Everest. So the dream might have a lot to say about a situation in life or a path in life.
1: All right, so for example, I'm trying to climb the mountain with my motor vehicle, whatever it might be. I'm trying to achieve something I haven't achieved yet.
6: And what kind of road are you on? Is it full of obstacles? Is it a dirt road, deep and difficult to drive? Or are you kind of sailing along?
1: Well, it's kind of a road that's steep, such as the road that takes you to around a mountain. So if I'm traveling, for example, from Phoenix, Arizona to Flagstaff, and I drive around these mountains which kind of irritates me, to be frank about it. It's that kind of Well, right by my house. Right, just trying to drive by Chris's house would be more than sufficient.
6: In dream work, uh, what we do is we look at every component of a dream and relate it back to the self. Uh, The fundamental of modern dream work is that um, everything in a dream represents something about you, even inanimate objects and um, landscape features. So um, the mountain says something about the self, the road says something about the self, and you do a lot of free association, and uh, the intuition will tell you when you've made a hit. This is why the dreamer is the only person who can truly interpret a dream, uh, but sometimes the suggestions of others uh, will spark uh, a new line of thinking. So if that were my dream about going up the mountain, uh, first I uh, would look at my emotions in the dream. Am I frustrated? Am I having a good time? Um, what does the mountain represent to me? Uh, does it represent a situation, a project, a problem, a relationship, or something bigger? Like, where am I headed in my life? Am I really going in the right direction? Uh, I want to go up. I want to reach the heights. But how am I getting there? Uh, I would look at the road and the obstacles in it. I would look at the um, the vehicle itself and um, uh, how I feel about the vehicle. Uh, and do I feel like I'm going somewhere or in the dream, am I wondering where I'm going? And all of those threads of association uh, will address the dream from different perspectives that help the dreamer sort out what the fundamental message is of the dream. Are so in order keys? to
1: interpret your dream, you really got to do a little studying on what the things might mean.
6: It does require a little bit of work, but you know, it's uh, it's easy to do, it's easy to learn, and the more you do it, the easier it gets. And uh, the, the dreaming consciousness will then begin to communicate even in more vivid ways. It's like once we start honoring the dream, um, the dream starts uh, speaking back to us in bolder ways. So it's important to write dreams down because they're very easy to forget uh, and to keep a, a log and to spend some time at it. You don't need to spend you know hours and hours every day you know, parsing through everything in a dream but um, uh, it's important to spend at least a little bit of time trying to figure out specifically what a dream is talking about. There are lots of techniques uh, for uh, analyzing the symbols um, to sort of unlock the energy of the dream. And uh, once you start doing it a lot, then it becomes very easy. And a lot of times when you wake up, you pretty well know what the dream has uh, had in, in store for you with the message.
1: Now, one thing about dreams is we have color dreams, we have black and white dreams. And at one time I read something where it said that women tend to dream in color more often than men. Is that true?
6: Yes, it is. Uh, Most people in general dream in color, but more women than men dream in color. And, you know, Chris mentioned a while ago that these unusual dreams, the lucid dreams, were in color, whereas he usually dreams in black and white. So sometimes that's an indication from the dreaming mind to pay more attention, uh, because the dream is different in some way. For me, it's the reverse. I dream in color, but when I have an unusual dream, or what I call one of these big spiritual dreams, it's more often in black and white than in color.
1: So basically, you're the reverse.
6: Uh, I am, okay. but you know I think this this can vary with individuals. Our dreaming mind has many ways to get our attention and tell us when something is more important than uh, what would be considered to be ordinary dreaming. Chris,
1: let's talk about your dreams a bit more.
2: Well, one dream that uh if I had to pick the <laughs> the most amazing dream I've ever had uh happened back in nineteen eighty nine i I dreamt I was in just like an idyllic sort of suburban environment, and all the sounds that I heard were doing these two particular notes um, and it, car horns doorbells birds uh children playing um, all were seemed to be based on this this two this one note interval between two notes and and it was very, very hypnotic and magical and I, I kind of got back into a sort of a waking state, a hypnagogic hip, state, I think is uh, the word, and I remember thinking, "Man, I wish I could could record this." And I fell back asleep, and I I kind of went into the same dream, but it didn't last very long. And when I woke up the next morning, I happened to to, to look down at my you know I keep a little notepad by my my bedside and. I had written out complete recording instructions on how to record the soundtrack of my dream, so I called in sick to work and sat there uh, half the day recording this piece, which uh, I still uh, still have, and uh, it's I hold it very dear dear to my uh, <laughs> my musical heart because uh, it's it's actually been used to help uh, coma patients, and I've, I've done some healing work with it actually uh, inadvertently through other people's efforts and. Um. So, if I had to pick my my most memorable dream, it was the one where I actually wrote instructions on how to record the soundtrack to the dream. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> so you wrote a dream
1: about a dream.
2: No, I recorded the soundtrack to the dream uh, and did a 12 minute uh, loop, and um, it was used by um, some um, health practitioners, a nurse and and some healers to uh, uh, to help. Bring uh, people out of coma, and uh, wow. I programmed uh, positive uh, affirmations. You know, it's a beautiful world. Uh, you know, I'm missing so much. My family misses me, and we would put these at a subliminal level in the in the recording, and then with the soundtrack of the dream, it actually was successful the first time we tried it. Um, I, it wasn't my idea to try it, and you know, and use it in this manner, but um, it was used like that, and and it 's been used several other times uh, to varying degrees of success but the first the first time it was used a, a little six year old girl was brought out of coma after six months being in coma. They were ready to pull the plug on her and and they had twenty four hours to you know just bring her out or they were going to you know take life support off her and and uh, she woke up and uh, so I, I was quite uh, quite amazed at, at that and uh, it 's it's a piece that I hold very dear uh, to my musical. <laughs> My musical uh, repertoire of uh, recordings. Hmm, Maybe something that you'd post on our forums. It's simple. It's based on two notes. So, (laughs) but I think it's the most. It's the most uh, elementary uh, interval. uh, I think it's found in all cultures. It's these notes. I think that that particular interval is found in all cultures. It's like, you know, Rover, come here. It's like mothers calling their kids, doorbells. I mean, you, you hear that particular interval. I think it's a, it's a fourth to a first, I think, is the interval. The GCN
7: Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: We're talking about dreams in the Paracast with Gene and Chris, with our guest Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Rosemary, tell us about the book that you wrote on the subject.
6: Uh, My newest book is called Rosemary Ellen Guiley's Pocket, A Dream Guide and Dictionary. And I wanted um, a simple introductory guide for people to get started in dream work with an accompanying dream dictionary as well. And uh, there's more than 600 dream symbols in the dictionary part. And uh, then the book also includes some tips for interpreting dreams, some steps that will help people unlock Uh, the associations and meanings behind the elements and symbols in dreams, and also some tips for improving dream recall. Uh, I've been doing dream work since I was a teenager, and actually my mother's precognitive dreams uh, are what got me interested in uh, dreaming? And Tell
1: us more about your mom.
6: My mom had a lot of unusual paranormal experiences. She had visitations from angelic presences and and also uh, rather unpleasant bedroom invaders as well. We had uh, fairy experiences in in uh, the house. She especially had a lot of precognitive dreaming, something that I have had occasionally but never to the degree that my mother experienced them. And they were usually unpleasant dreams for her, dreams about uh, people that she knew who were about to die. And the uh, dreams were always accurate uh, in terms of somebody dying. It usually wouldn't be in um, um, perhaps the manner that was portrayed in the dream, or uh, she wouldn't have a sense of timing But uh, as you can imagine, getting information like this, usually within two weeks of somebody's passing and knowing that, or at least feeling that there was nothing you could do about it, were very distressing to her. But they got me interested in learning about dreams because when I was a teenager and uh, hearing these uh, dream accounts, the idea that you could dream the future uh, and that it would be something that would come to pass absolutely fascinated me. So I wanted to learn more about dreams, and uh, I began uh, reading books about them and paying attention to my own dreams. I did experimentations where I would try and project myself uh, to distant places in dreams and come back with descriptions that I could validate in some way, like visit somebody's house and uh, describe something about what I saw there that I could validate uh, with that person later. I tried to send messages to people in dreams with some success and get messages in dreams. So all of these things told me at a very uh, young age that our dreams are magical, mystical experiences, uh, far more than just reflecting back to us our concerns and anxieties, which the majority of dreams really do. They deal with our emotional issues, but there are other components to them That transcend everyday experience. So that's really what launched me on a lifelong uh, pursuit of understanding my dreams. In my study of dreams, I got involved in the International Association for the study of dreams. I served on the board of that organization for a while and I learned how to do what's called lay dream work facilitation. I'm not a clinical psychologist. Sometimes it is advisable to do dream work with a psychologist, especially if people are having troubling dreams, repeating nightmares, and and things like that. The average person can do dream work quite easily and very productively. I have led uh, dream, dream work groups and seminars for quite a few years, helping other people understand their dreams. And in the process, it's been an enriching experience for me because our dreams tell us about ourselves and enable us to uh, often make better decisions, to uh, bring a better balance into our lives, to heal things emotionally, even physically. Carl Jung documented that as well, that dreams have a tremendous healing capacity to them in terms of warning us about illnesses and diseases that uh, are in very early stages, and even bringing miraculous healing energy Uh, into one's life. There are documented cases in the dream literature where people who are in serious illness, such as cancer, have healing dreams, where they are literally healed in the dreams. And this is then documented on a physical level.
1: Well, talk about the documentation. How does that come about and what are the results?
6: Well, for example, if someone had a tumor, Uh, that needed to be operated on. And uh, prior to having the operation, they would have a healing dream where uh, they would feel completely whole again. And then they would be examined uh, by the medical professionals and discover that the tumor uh, might be greatly shrunk in size or might be completely gone without explanation.
1: Are we saying uh, then it's a case of mind over matter that, If we will ourselves to overcome our illness,
6: sometimes it works? We really don't understand the full ramifications and components of what happens during these dreams. The ancients considered the gods to intervene in the dreams and that the gods would do the healing. Uh, The Greeks and the Romans had temples uh, all over the classical world where people would make pilgrimages. Uh, and uh, pray to the gods to be healed in their dreams of their various afflictions. And uh, many testimonials were, were left behind to that uh, fact. But um, these dreams still happen in, uh, in modern times, and uh, it's difficult to separate out the components of these things. Um, in my own mind, I'm sure there is uh, some sort of Um, a marshalling of one's inner forces uh, perhaps one's own ability to heal that's brought uh, into bear in this but there seems to be something external that happens as well a connection with um, some sort of healing force or power in the cosmos that um, occurs during the dream state uh, and seems to be more powerful uh, when it happens in the dream state
1: Chris why do 't you pick up on this you 're another dream guy
2: i 'm another dream guy, actually, I wish I was a dream guy i I really enjoy uh, m- some of these uh, dreamscapes that I find myself in. Uh, my powers of recall aren 't quite developed to the to the stage and, and place where i 'd like them to be, but um, I have heard uh, you know over the years in reading about um, miraculous healings, uh, as Rosemary was mentioning. Uh, the kind of a self prescribed placebo effect where the the power of the mind and the power of of spirit actually uh, can manifest in very positive ways. Um, how about the opposite though rosemary i 've also uh, encountered stories where people have had um, a series of reincurring dreams and then actually uh, suffered adverse uh, health effects from from not getting a handle on why these uh, negative-type uh, dreams were, were occurring. Uh, so the reverse can also be true as well, I would imagine.
6: Um, I'm not quite sure what you mean, Chris. You mean uh, that uh, we would become sick because of our dreams? Is that what you're saying?
2: Well, yeah. Um, become sick or also become uh, you know mentally unstable as a result of, of real nightmare-type, uh, reoccurring nightmares where where people's health fail whether it's because they're afraid to go to sleep and it's a lack of sleep and and they, there may be some sort of chemical um adverse chemical imbalances in the body as a result of that but but I have encountered uh um here and there stories about people that um have actually died in their sleep after uh perhaps undergoing a series of 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 fairly you know <laughs> nasty nightmares or a sequence of nasty nightmares um which kind of harkens back to your comment that if, if you do have reoccurring negative dreams, it's probably good to go to a clinical psychologist and, and get some professional help in that regard. But I, I would just imagine if you can heal yourself in a dream, if you're, if you're unbalanced and, and not healthy uh, emotionally or, or even physically, you could actually uh, have the opposite effect on yourself.
6: Well, for example, people who have uh, se- severe psychological trauma uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome or deep-seated emotional issues perhaps stemming back to childhood maybe abuse situations from I'll childhood. tell you what, we
1: have to get into more of that in a moment we have Rosemary Ellen Guiley with Jean and Chris you're in Paracast. so here's what happened I was placing an order online awaits.
4: Hi, everybody. Jason Lewis here. Once again, for my friends at Midas Resources, these are hard times for investors. You don't know which way to go. Is the market going to recover? Is the Washington spending machine going to continue? And that means a lot of debt and maybe printing money to cover the debt. They call it monetizing the debt, but that's a fancy way of saying inflation. And a lot of people are worried about that. So you need the ultimate inflation hedge, and that's gold. Now, let me be clear about this. Commodities fluctuate in price. They can go up and down. Very volatile, there's no guarantee. But if you want the ultimate inflation hedge, you need to talk to my friends at Midas Resources. The number, 1-800-686-2237. If you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to have it in your possession, call Midas today at 1-800-686-2237. It's Midas Resources, 1-800-686-2237 for gold, and tell them Jason sent you.
7: The perfect
12: water for drinking, bathing, and cleaning right at your fingertips? Yes, you can now have the most powerful water ionizer on the market for less than half the price of competitors. The Genesis Platinum Water Ionizer from GibsonsHealth.com creates the perfect drinking water of 9.5 pH, automatically cleans every time you use it, and even tells you when to change filters. Other 7-plate water ionizers are priced at two dollars or even $3,000. But the Genesis Platinum is only $16.95. Get yours today at GibsonsHealth.com. Under Nutritionals, be sure to click on Essential Oils for aromatic liquids extracted from a broad range of flowers, stems, seeds and bark. And to really balance your body, click on Go Green, the most complete green drink available, necessary for survival. All this and more are found at gibson'shealth.com. Call 800-388-6844. That's 800-388-6844 or gibson'shealth.com. Healthful living since
11: 1974. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, com or call toll-free 866-369-3678 That's 866-369-3678 Pro-EM-1 The Raw Probiotic
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's
1: theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. Whoa! Rosemary Ellen Guiley, joining Jean and Chris on the Paracast. Now, you started a discussion, I guess, again, about dream interpretation. Would you continue with that?
6: Well, we were talking about, uh, what about negative dreaming, where uh, people might be very ill or their health could be adversely affected by nightmare situations? And uh, yes, there are uh, people who have uh, very deep emotional trauma issues uh, that experience a lot of very troubling dreams and nightmares, and those really do need to be dealt with by uh, trained medical help. Uh, There may be some physiological things going on as well. In my work dealing with paranormal situations, uh, I see uh, some adverse paranormal dreams from time to time. That is, uh, people uh, feel that they are being adversely affected by a psychic attack or by some sort of invasive presence coming into their dreams and disturbing their sleep, creating unpleasant imagery. These sorts of dreams, from a paranormal perspective, from a spirit interference perspective, have also been documented since ancient times. And I do believe that this sort of thing can take place, that certain individuals who are skilled in psychic attack can. Invade one's dreams and cause unpleasant uh, Im- imagery that can have a deteriorating health effect on an individual, and that there are entities out there who can do the same thing.
2: Another subject, and you and I in our last few conversations um, have talked about your recent investigative work, where you're starting to find that uh, your work with the uh, looking into the whole concept uh, and subject of the jinn. May this gin type interpretation may have uh, some legs. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit because i know I know that this has been something that you 've uh you 've been really studying now for a while, and um, you know of course, your last book was about the gin uh, why don't you describe uh, to our audience like you did to me uh, some of your thinking in this this regard?
6: I think that the uh, jinn are behind a lot of our paranormal experiences and phenomena far more than we might realize, uh, and that's one of the things that I discussed a lot in The Vengeful Djinn. I developed um, quite a few chapters in the book related to comparing the djinn to some of our other spirit and entity experiences and making the case for why the djinn might be using certain guises in a shape-shifted fashion as a way of interacting with and even interfering with human beings. Well, I've had an increasing number of reports and cases involving uh, what I would call negative entity interference. And some of it just may be due to increased self-reporting, that is, people feeling freer to come forward and talk about things that in the past uh, they would have been too embarrassed to talk about However, I do think that these cases are truly on the rise, too, and they often involve uh, disturbed dreaming and disturbed sleep. A lot of these entities who, uh, and the jinn included, who want to interfere with people to cause problems, their, their point of attack is when we are most vulnerable, and that's when we sleep, and also when we dream. They can cause nightmares they can uh, create a bedroom visitation situations where unpleasant shapes come uh, into the bedroom and become part of people's dreams or cause people to awaken from unpleasant dreams. And sometimes people don't know if they're dreaming or awake. So some of these attacks in the past have been called hag attacks as well, the unpleasant presence in the bedroom. And if people are subjected to this sort of interference on an ongoing frequent basis. Uh, They become afraid to sleep. Uh, They especially become afraid to dream. This can have a deteriorating effect on their health because they're not getting adequate rest. They're psychologically disturbed. And it starts spilling into other areas of life.
2: What process do you bring to bear on a case like this? How do you separate uh, a, you know, a person with some sort of possible emotional issues or uh, post-traumatic stress or where does one psychological causal element leave off and then something truly other in your interpretations uh, begin? How do you make that determination?
6: It's often hard, Chris, I'll tell you. And, and the, I do tell people that the first thing that they have to uh, to look at are ordinary causes. Uh, because uh, if they've got domestic issues going on or other emotional issues, they're going through a crisis or just kind of an upsetting period in life, um, dreaming can take on uh, symbolism that may seem to be uh, outside interference but is actually just more what I would call ordinary dreaming. So you have to look for the natural, ordinary explanations first. Uh, Then there are other sort of hallmarks that indicate that perhaps there's spirit interference going on. There are certain characteristics to the dreams. If they're combined with bedroom visitations, poltergeist phenomena, uh, one must look for a point of origin, too. Now, the
1: point I want to ask you, though, Rosemary, is at first you've got to see a physical side effect of this to make that Determination.
6: Um, what do you mean by a physical sighting? Well, of
1: poltergeist phenomena. So, a poltergeist—obviously, things are moving around the house. The traditional image of the poltergeist—does that come out of a dream experience?
6: It's part of a pattern of phenomena. It doesn't come out of the dream experience. But if people are having uh, entity problems, invasive um, spirit presence problems, there are a host of other things that are usually happening as well. There's always a point of origin, that is these things don't just start up for no reason. Sometimes people um, get a little carried away with the, the shows on TV and whatnot, and they start interpreting uh, things going on in their own environment as, as spirit problems, uh, when in fact it's, it's not the case.
1: We have there's... to basically be aware that what we see on television is fantasy. Somebody writes a fiction story, even the so-called reality shows may be somewhat fictionalized.
6: Uh, They're heavily fictionalized in terms of uh, how the evidence is portrayed. It's always, um, well, I don't want to say always, but uh, in many cases it has to be sort of over-dramatized in order to carry across uh, the medium of, of television and to be entertaining and engaging to the audience. So people can have kind of a skewed idea of of what really goes on in the paranormal. The endless search
1: for ratings.
6: And for ratings, absolutely. But uh, in real life problems... Oh, go ahead.
1: I I was going to say
2: that the TV that horrifies me the most usually is the political shows on Sunday morning, but we won't get into that, (laughs) right, Gene?
1: That could be on our other show.
6: (laughs) It's another paranormal horror, huh? (laughs)
1: Very much a paranormal horror or some other kind of horror. But we're not talking about anything horrible here, or though I guess some things about it could be frightening. We're talking about your dreams, and we'll have a lot more. And our guest is Rosemary Ellen Guiley. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast.
7: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network
16: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world, a woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. of the Rockoids, Rockoids. a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
18: What happened, man? You used to be energetic, happy, and wow, did the ladies love you. Now you fall asleep on the couch, irritable and out of shape. Don't be that guy. Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50% and maintain healthy, normal levels. No injections, no appointments. With healthy testosterone levels, you can feel that energy again, that great outlook again, and yes, even a healthy sex drive. Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. Introducing a diabetes
19: breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super-strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% percent money Back guarantee. Waiting for the side effects disclaimers? With MDS Forte, there are none. Order a 25-day treatment of MDS Forte by calling 213-405-5355. 213-405-5355. Or visit bestbloodsupport.com. That's bestbloodsupport.com for MDS Forte, a diabetes breakthrough.
17: Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Folks, Chris is not dreaming. I just want to assure you of that. This is reality, I think, with Rosemary Allen Guiley, with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. Rosemary, why not to ask you something else here. Now, one possible set of events that Are sometimes connect with dreams are so-called UFO abductions. Do you regard them as real dream experiences, a combination of the two, what?
6: I regard them as alternate reality experiences. I think that they do take place. The abduction does take place. The visitation takes place. But it's not necessarily a physical reality thing. And this is why they often happen during sleep. They might be recalled in a dream, uh, they might not be recalled till uh, someone goes through regression and you know hypnotic regression. The experience starts in the physical reality and it shifts into an alternate reality. Some of the hallmarks of these cases, and these apply to entity visitations, to gin visitations, when people feel that that they've got a demonic presence in the room, when shadow people come. There are things like buzzing and uh, ringing sounds. They feel sometimes that electrical pulses are going through their body or they feel electrified in some way. These are symptomatic of uh, what seems to be a dimensional shift going on. The entities have the ability to transcend our physical laws anyway. They come through the walls, uh, they materialize in space, they dematerialize in space. In terms of the abductions, people feel that they are transported out through non-ordinary means, usually through floating or levitation. So immediately we begin to shift into alternate reality, which blurs into the dreamscape, because these things are possible in the dreamscape. I don't think that they're imaginary experiences. I think that they're real experiences, and, uh, but they take place in this alternate reality that sort of blends into our dreaming consciousness.
1: Okay. as a follow up to that, in some cases of UFO abductions, people report being operated on and sometimes they find little objects and things embedded in their feet or elsewhere. Is that just maybe an accident? They stepped into something. Is that necessarily connected with this event? Is the event triggered by some kind of thing or event in our own physical reality?
6: With any dream, you always have to look at uh, whether or not it has a connection to something going on in waking life and could be symbolic. Uh, there are lots of ET dreams, including seeing lights in the sky or being visited by uh, alien beings or beings that you think are extraterrestrials that are more symbolic they're speaking on a symbolic level rather than a literal level.
1: It's just like so, Carl Jung talking about the collective unconscious and the possible connection with UFOs. Uh,
6: I'm sorry. What was the que- the question? Was
1: okay. Carl Jung had this book about UFOs in the 1950s. Yes. And part of the suggestion here related to possible collective unconscious manifestations. So are some UFOs? Indications of a collective unconscious?
6: I think they are. They are dream symbols rather than literal things in dreams. The the symbols that that dominate human dreaming change over time as our culture changes and uh, the orientation of our thinking changes. We are oriented toward the unknown of outer space uh, where... Our ancestors were not oriented that way. Our ancestors were oriented to the physical world, uh to um, uh to monsters in the world, to the horrors of the grave, uh and a lot of our fears about the unknown and the unexplored uh are are symbolized by outer space and beings that might come from outer space. So in that respect, yes, UFOs and ETs can be highly symbolic. But well, we okay. Also-
1: well, I wanted to ask you then. There's an implication here that the actual physical sightings may, in some respects, be dreamly related in some ways.
6: I, I'm not sure I understand.
1: Okay, that basically we're not seeing ET up there. We're seeing a projection, a mind projection, something that is not a real aircraft physically up there.
6: Um, Gene, I'm, I'm not sure what
1: you're asking me. I mean, I- okay. Well, all right. Let me try another way here. <laughs> okay.
6: Okay. We see a UFO uh, yeah, in the sky, that, and you're talking all about, of real? course. I, I'm not sure what you're, you're talking
1: about. Symbolisms and things here. Okay.
6: Okay. Let's let's start over again.
1: Okay. We start with symbolism. We start with UFOs in the sky. Are we right. seeing physical craft up there? or Are we seeing something that represents that symbolism?
6: You mean in waking consciousness? When sure. We're seeing or what we craft? think is
1: waking consciousness. Maybe we took a nap. I don't know.
6: I think that um, things can bleed through dimensions, but as you know, uh, where's the physical evidence? We never seem to have any uh, physical evidence, uh, you know, some big reports of physical evidence that always seems to disappear somewhere. Uh, So uh, these experiences are, I think, largely interdimensional bleed-throughs. I don't think that we're... Having illusions when we have the experiences, uh, but they're not entirely of this dimension. And the same applies to our encounters with mysterious creatures. Uh, we don't have any carcasses, bones, uh, you know, physical evidence that that uh, can be validated uh, and proved. But we have all of these subjective eyewitness accounts, and uh, to me, they're indicative of. Um, the existence of parallel dimensions close to ours and the openings that occur uh, if you're in the right place at the right time or you're in one of these hot zone portal areas and, uh, and we have the bleed-through experiences. They are real. I don't think they're imaginary.
1: Okay, so then how do we quantify that? Can we? Can we quantify the ability to sometimes see something that is, as they say, spilling through... We're getting a visualization of something happening in another reality, another time, whatever.
6: It's very hard to quantify because it can't be summoned up on demand. Uh, We don't seem to have the ability to open up these interdimensional uh, windows and doors on demand to have replicable experiences. However, uh, when you take the literature of experiences, and uh, do cross-comparisons, there are patterns that emerge that people describe some of the same things or in similar ways. The uh, elements of the experiences, the circumstances of the experiences have some common characteristics. So there do seem to be core experiences that human beings have, but the details, the trappings uh, shift over time. Um, you can... A person can have a, a remarkable experience in a known hot zone area and can return to that hot zone and never have that experience again. Or if they have an experience, it won't be the same. So this becomes very problematic, of course, for science to take any of this seriously. It's, it's considered to be so subjective that it can't be given serious consideration
1: doesn't make it very easy to get a handle on this, because obviously scientists will say, well, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, if I can't measure it somehow, even if they're measuring, for example, the possible presence of planets and other star systems that you really can't directly see, but you see the interaction of them, well, if we can't do that, it can't be possibly real.
6: Well, that's uh, certainly the approach that science would take. But uh, the people who have the experiences do not feel that they've imagined anything. And I don't think they have either because uh, the experiences have been too consistent over the course of human history. Uh, We uh, have these, as I mentioned before, these core experiences, these interactions with these uh, elements and entities that are not of our physical world but intrude on our physical world. And uh, it indicates that we've, to me, that we've been having uh, some sort of interaction, uh, which explain which we explain through our mythology and our folklore, um, that um, uh, there are you know other beings and, and entities that uh, have an interest in us and uh, who are uh, dealing with us.
1: I'll tell you what we have to deal with this. If you have a comment or question about the show, write us, news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. We are talking to Rosemary Ellen Guiley with Gene and Chris. That means you're in the Paracast. Are you tired of
7: searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We
1: are the GCN Radio Network.
13: Are you still smoking traditional cigarettes? Are you still smelling up your clothes and car interior, staining your teeth and getting ashes everywhere? Why when you can be smoking or vaping with e-cigarettes by Lasig? With Lasig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery and unique replacement cartridges, you'll get all the satisfaction of smoking but no smoking hazards. Choose from a wide variety of our new American-made Vapriate e-liquid flavors at Lasig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. Or call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. The e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Warning, e-cigs may contain nicotine, an addictive substance known to the state of California to cause birth defects or cancer. Please be aware of the risks associated with e-cigs prior to use. You must be 18 years or older to purchase.
17: Folks, have you lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, this is going to be the most important message you'll ever hear. Because there's never been a better time to get ready for the winter power outages ahead. Here's why. Solar power generators are now available from our friends at Solutions from Science, one of our oldest sponsors. Their emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. Unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no fumes, and produces electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running quietly in your own home. Whether it's ice storms, brownouts, or blackouts, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. When the power goes out this winter, you'll be ready with a solar-powered generator from Solutions from Science. Go to MySolarBackup.com for more information. That's MySolarBackup.com or call 877-327-0365. Warning.
14: The unprepared may not survive the next natural disaster, terrorist attack, pandemic, or economic collapse. In light of recent global unrest and natural disasters, we bring you this urgent message from David Morris, author of the acclaimed Urban Survival Course. Because this message is urgent, we won't waste time on the why you should act now. You already know why. It's the very real and growing dangers reported in the media every day. Now it's the what you must do. Go to freesurvivalminicourse.com and claim your free Urban Survival Mini Course that will prepare you you right in your own home today david morris is offering you instant access to a seven-part urban survival mini course at freesurvivalminicourse.com you should already be at your keyboard enough talk act now while you still have time and while it's still free 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 freesurvivalminicourse.com freesurvivalminicourse.com or call 800-366-5138 800-366-5138 you'll be glad you did
17: Hi, this is Ted Phillips, listening to the Paracast,
1: and it's as good as it gets, believe me. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, starting off with dream experiences, relating that to what might be perceived as physical phenomena, UFOs, things like that, possible UFO abductions. Chris, we had a few questions in the forums. Maybe let's get to those now. since we're on this subject of uh your dream
2: uh research, Rosemary, we do have a couple of interesting questions here from our listeners. This one comes from a new listener uh from Germany named Polterwurst. I'm not sure if he's related to the uh the Geist or the brat, but uh he says. In your dream research, did you come across dreams in which deceased people announced their rebirth in a soon-to-be-born child? If so, did you follow up on that to see if the child showed up and had any signs reminiscent of that deceased person a few years later? He goes on to say, I used to think dreams were just senseless brain chatter, but after recent observations which seem to indicate a case of reincarnation, which do include such a dream, I'm not that sure anymore. Does this ring a bell? It doesn't to me. I I don't think I've ever heard one of a person predicting their own reincarnation. Uh,
6: In fact, it does happen, Chris. These are called announcing dreams, and they're uh, well-documented in the reincarnation literature, and I do talk about them in another book I've written called Soul Journeys, uh, which deals with reincarnation. They're more prominent in um, other cultures, um, there are Native Americans, for example, in the Northwest and West Coast, um, Canada and the United States, where uh, it's considered customary for souls to announce their rebirth. And in fact, families expect to have dreams where uh, so-and-so who, who died uh, some years ago is now going to be reborn and that person, uh, the deceased person, will come in the dream and announce himself or herself to a couple who the wife is, is pregnant and going to be giving birth. And uh, Ian Stevenson uh, documented a lot of these in his extensive reincarnation literature. Uh, I'm not aware of what might be documented in uh, what you would call the contemporary Western culture literature because we just don't pay that much attention to reincarnation as other cultures do. Um, there have been some studies of Western children who seem to have marked past life recall when they're young, and usually um, the strongest memories are between ages of three and eight. The children will make comments like, you know, um, in my when, when I was the mommy or you know, when I lived in such and such a place, or when you were my uh, my daughter, you know, that sort of thing. But we don't seem to have the phenomenon of announcing dreams. Uh, I think they have to be nurtured by culture uh, to be prominent.
2: Yeah, I know in the Tibetan culture, uh, the reincarnation of, of particular lineages, uh, I, I now do seem to recall that these these have been announced. And uh, the famous one they made a movie out of where the Ripochet said he was going to be born on such and such a day and they actually located the child in Seattle, Washington, if I remember correctly. Um, interesting. I think that's, a, that's an area that I'd like to uh, to look into more. I have another question from uh, Sandan Fire who is one of our longtime posters uh, since 2009. And he says, in all your vast research conducted through the years, do you see the paranormal in general regardless of the phenomenon such as UFOs or ghosts? as having more of a specific cause such as the jinn or some other supernatural entity he he says i ask because my wife who considers herself a sensitive believes that the ghosts and spirits her and i generally hunt may be something more generalized that actually could indeed explain all paranormal events and as a direct result of my wife's changing paradigm i've started looking more into the ufo field for some clues as to what we experience in ghost and haunting fields With your latest book regarding the Jinn, you seem to be swaying more towards a theory of everything, T.O.E., as he says, in which the sourcing for most of what we could call unexplained may be whittled down to a singular cause. Any thoughts? You kind of were just barely addressing that, but uh, now we're going to put you on the spot.
6: (laughs) I am increasingly thinking that uh, the jinn are behind just about everything. Uh, And... This is um, probably not a satisfactory explanation to a lot of people in the paranormal who want to compartmentalize things and even to ufologists who are looking for extraterrestrials. And I don't deny the existence of extraterrestrials or that some uh, other planetary beings uh, have visited the planet, uh, our planet. However, uh, I think that a lot of our ET experiences, what we're calling ET, they're really ultra-terrestrials. They're beings from another dimension, not another planet. Uh, More likely than not, the djinn could be behind them. The djinn, who are masterful shapeshifters, have a reason to interact with with people uh, and might be coming in a variety of ways uh, to have different purposes, different agendas, I, they're as varied as human beings. They have different temperaments, just like human beings. But in general, there is um, documentation in their mythology and folklore that uh, the jinn have a reason for wanting to interact with us. That is, they want the earth back because they consider it theirs to begin with. In the beginning, there were angels and jinn. Human beings came along. The jinn were out. Humans were in. And some of them want the place back. Uh, And so we have uh, all of these different forms that, uh, from the standpoint of their origins, their motivations, their characteristics, they could be doing all of those things. So I'm increasingly looking at the djinn as uh, the the cause behind just about all of our paranormal experiences. Having done a lot of ghost hunting over the years, uh, hundreds and hundreds of places and cases, I consider most ghost phenomena to be residual. That is, it doesn't really have a locus of intelligence to it. It's leftover stuff that clings to the psychic space. And uh, when you start getting into more active presences, uh, where a place seems to have an entity or entities that recognize human beings and interact with them in very deliberate ways, you're not dealing with ghosts anymore. You're dealing with something else, and that's probably the djinn.
2: Well there you have it, sand and fire. Uh inquiring minds just got a, g- a good answer. I I've noticed commonalities too, uh Rosemary. Uh, especially when there seems to be some sort of self-determined energy at work. Uh the gin I think is a is a pretty good place to start to try to try to get to the bottom of it. Of course there is that tricksterish element. Uh oh, I said the word gene. Uh, there is that tricksterish element that's involved in a lot of these entity cases. So uh, I think the jury's going to be out in some people's mind. But um, you and I are thinking kind of along the same lines there, Rosemary. Uh, here's another one for you from Dying Son, who's, one of, again, a longtime poster. In fact, he's been posting now almost exactly four years. He says, uh, if the conversation comes to it, is there a way to classify a small hooded being? For reference, the creatures in Star Wars called Jawas come to mind. <laughs> That's interesting. I've had a couple of cases like that that people see diminutive hooded forms. Uh, is that something fairly common, and how would you classify them?
6: It is. We have uh, the little uh, the black hooded things with the red eyes that often accompany uh, other kinds of entities. They usually come in multiples. They're of you know, two or three or maybe even four or five. They are often bedroom invaders. Uh, the black-eyed kids would be a variation of that. Um, demonic-looking children who uh, want to gain somebody's trust and access to an environment, and then reveal themselves with uh, saw demonic teeth, and and uh, they have these alien-like, uh, solid black eyes or demonic eyes. And uh, the Jawa, uh, to me, they're Jin. Uh, I think they were inspired by the Jin uh, and these little hooded. Entities could be forms of gin as well. Little
2: well, baby gin that are—they've got bad attitudes and tend to hang out in like little gangs, like <laughs> well, you trooping know, fairies. You said
6: the word Chris. He said the word trickster. And oh, I did. Oh, a I, lot of this. I you know
2: said, said it again. Mean, the T word. Shape, shape, the T word. <laughs> uh, I you had can an interesting.
6: In anything.
2: Well, let me tell you, I had an interesting case. A world famous, uh, very, very well respected studio musician from the golden age of television, with over six hundred films and TV shows to his credit. You know, um, umpteenth degree in black belt, very spiritual guy. He's in his studio recording one day, and uh, he was very embarrassed when he told me this. But he
1: says, "I, I just, I just knew you would. <laughs> I had to tell you." If you have a comment or question about the show, write us news at the That's news at the I'll tell you what, we'll find out more about the studio musician. And lots more with Gene and Chris here in The Paracast. The Paracast.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: So, who might be that studio musician, longtime professional studio musician that Chris O'Brien's talking about with Gene and Chris? On the Paracast, would you identify the person? Well, he asked
2: me not to, but uh, let's see. How would I do this artfully? There's a famous B-movie that features vegetables and them attacking. He was the one that did the film score for that. So there's a little clue for y'all. Anyway, he was sitting there in his studio recording, and he noticed motion out of the corner of his eye. He looked over, and a group of six or seven, if I remember, small, hooded, uh, you know, cloaked trooping fairies, for lack of a better term, uh, came through his studio door that was closed, trooped right across the studio within inches of him, and went through the wall. And before the last one went through the wall, it turned around and gave him a, r- a really dirty, nasty look. And he said the weirdest thing about it is they all looked like they were dressed in keystone cop
19: hats. Okay. <laughs>
6: Go figure. I've heard of this experience, and I I can't think of the musician's name, but it's ringing a bell with me. And, uh, yeah, here again we have this trickster element to it. Well, the djinn have, uh, if you're going to compare the djinn to other entities in terms of, like, what are the dominant characteristics that they share and are the same, the djinn have the closest connection with fairies. And this association really has been recognized for a very long time, especially in the Middle East, where most of the lore of the jinn originates. Uh, and the behavior of fairies mirrors the characteristics of the jinn, and vice versa. Uh, in the Vengeful Jinn, the, the uh, strongest chapter of associations uh, I documented in some detail um, show how the jinn and the fairies are the same. Well, let's take that out a step further. Um, Jacques Vallée, Thomas Bullard, John Mack talking decades ago about the similarities between ETs and fairies. This gets down to a very fundamental problem in the paranormal. People do not research cross-discipline lore and mythology. Uh, Ufologists stick to ufology, the paranormal people stick to the paranormal, the cryptids People stick to cryptozoology and there's all this data that bleeds from one area to another that takes things into a whole different arena. Uh, And I think it's so important to be aware of these things. Uh, Shadow people. Uh, When I started researching shadow people about five or six years ago, I found a big connection between the ET experiencers and the shadow people experiencers. But when I went into the, uh, UFO community to ask the researchers, uh, what they knew about shadow people. I found that either they didn't know anything, or yes, you know, it did show up a lot, the, uh, the shadow person experience, but, uh, it wasn't important. It didn't have anything to do with abductions. And it does, uh, it does because many abductees are shadow people experiencers and shadow people seem to be another form of the gin. So there are all these cross connections going on and we don't have enough researchers really following up on them from that uh... from that big picture perspective.
2: And I think it's really important that we start looking at these things uh, cross platform if you will and really start taking the blinders off and you know being a little bit more creative and open-minded with our thinking. I think it's really important and you bring up a really good point there One thing that I've uh, noticed is we've seemed to have a lot of programs that are coming out uh, that deal with various aspects of the paranormal, both in a reality sense and in a fictional sense. And we do have a a question here from a longtime poster, Blowfish, and he he says, uh, Rosemary, what are your thoughts on the current vampire TV movies such as True Blood, Twilight, etc., and any so-called real encounters from eyewitnesses? Is there some sort of uh, cultural connection there?
1: or
6: Great entertainment, very little connection to what are the dominant documented real experiences. Twilight is so far out there in fantasy that uh, I, it's, it's hard to take any of those vampires seriously. They're, from my perspective, very anemic vampires uh, compared to the entities that our ancestors were talking about. Uh, True Blood is... Uh, also heavily fictionalized in terms of what real vampires are and even what shapeshifters are. And, uh, you know, we have these vampires organized into societies and walking around in human bodies that are flesh and blood, but having all these superpowers. Our ancestors, when they talked about vampires, talked about something really entirely different. They talked about a horror that came out of the grave. uh, Yeah,
3: Nosferatu.
2: uh,
6: More like Nosferatu. Yeah. Uh, which might be seen in some sort of spectral or semi-physical form, but more often than not was a presence that sexually attacked people, created poltergeist disturbances, hag attacks, um, drained people's uh, energy and health, caused illness, bad luck, misfortune.
2: Um, right, and, and they, they can't enter your house unless you invite them to, supposedly, right?
6: Well, so if, if you point. think
2: someone's a vampire, don't <laughs> offer them
1: uh, coffee. Don't have them come in your house, there, listeners. Don't let them come in your house. That's the important thing. They try to gain admission. Can I use your telephone? Don't do it.
6: So the film and fiction today is, is an entirely different vampire than uh, the ones that our our ancestors talked about. Our ancestors probably wouldn't even recognize these these creations as vampires. But they fulfill a romantic fantasy for people, Uh, and I think it's a way that we uh, also come to terms with things. The vampire is a very potent symbol of um, uh, the wrong survival of death.
2: Well, and they're very sexual, too. There's that whole Anne Rice kind of sexuality, I think, that's been interjected into the whole vampire thing since her books, uh, Interview with a Vampire, and... Lestat and in all those books, which I devoured, by the way. I, I normally don't read that sort of thing, but she's such a good writer that I found those books very, very, uh, very entertaining. But uh, you do have that sort of, I think, residual effect from her books now we're seeing in, in some of these shows, which I avoid, like the plague. I, I've never seen even 30 seconds of one of these shows. and But they're really popular with the kids. Do you think that's healthy?
6: Well... Probably yes and no. It's um, I think uh, teenagers have their ways of coming to terms with um, uh, social issues, romantic issues, self-esteem, and things like that. And the vampire is uh, the current role model. Uh, the um, the alienated um, youth, the uh, the outsider, the forbidden love, the, the Romeo and the Juliet. Uh, The whole ball of wax, and um, and that seems to be the motif now that's popular um, in fiction for young adults. These are themes that uh, are always uh, popular with young adults, and the the symbols just change. Uh, But, uh, you know, you mentioned the sexual aspect of vampires, and actually that's one thing that a lot of people don't know is that the real vampire that uh, our ancestors dealt with was highly sexual but not in any sort of romantic way and this sort of ties into very old beliefs about the dead that the dead are hungry for the physical pleasures that they n- no longer have access to because they don't have a body and so if they manage to get back into the world of the living uh, what are they going to go for first well first there's sex and there's food and alcohol and tobacco and some of the other physical pleasures, but sex is number one.
1: But, of course, and vampires I mean, don't always eat other than, you know, the blood, or true blood, as it were.
6: Well, they, they do have their own blood substitute, yes, in, in true blood. But um, the, the accounts from, from our ancestors talk about very unpleasant sex with vampires. It was um, more like a, a rape um, it, it was very draining, uh, not something that anybody wanted. So we've sort of gone in totally the opposite direction.
1: We romanticize this. it now, certainly in the Twilight movies. You know, the big thing is to make it with a vampire, and certainly that happens in True Blood, and it gets to pretty, pretty wild and wacky. <laughs> but I like, the I like the theme song. I like the theme song of True Blood. If nothing else. No, I like the show. It's a lot of fun. Rosemary Ellen Guiley joining us. We're talking about dreams, vampires, and a whole lot more. Also, the gin. With Gene and Chris, you're in the (laughs) Paracast. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com.
15: Hi, this is Peter Kronchnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, the federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. The European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronchnob at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108
8: long-range patrol ration entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down the best for your bug-out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP cold-weather ration entree. Nothing. Now, the Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at Freezedryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today that's 866-404-3663 or freeze dry guy.com your source for survival food in an uncertain world
11: Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We'd
0: like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download, direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com.
1: Or check us out at iTunes. We're back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley answering your questions for the Paracast forums at forum.theparacast.com with Gene and Chris. Chris, are we out of questions? Do we have any more
2: we actually do have some more questions, uh, a couple more from Blowfish. What are your thoughts on fairies and historical folklore in Celtic mythology? This is from Blowfish. He, he asks, is there any sort of relation to classic novels such as The Hobbit uh, to folklore and, and you know, the, these types of fairy myths? In other words, could there possibly be some sort of residual um, I don't know collective unconscious memory of a time when maybe we coexisted here with uh, uh, out in plain sight with uh, fairies and gnomes and elves and trolls and and uh, kelpies and mermaids and you know all these various types of uh, praetor natural uh, you know forms. Uh, what are you what are you thinking on that? What you thinking?
6: These are all possibly and probably residents of other dimensional realities that in earlier times our ancestors may have had more access to uh, for a variety of reasons. You know, in the the isolated rural life, uh, the uh, primitiveness, so to speak, of the landscape uh, may have facilitated our interactions with these beings. I consider them to be very real. And some of the dominant Themes about fairies, especially in Celtic lore, are that they were the original ha- inhabitants of this planet. Another parallel with the jinn: the jinn were the original inhabitants here too. Uh, when human beings came along, uh, they lost out. Uh, they lost out in their interactions. They got pushed further and further back, so to speak, uh, retreating into the hills, into subterranean areas. And finally, into their own uh, interdimensional reality, the fairyland, invisible to human beings. Uh, whether or not they had superpowers to begin with or acquired them as they, as they changed, uh, is is another matter. But they, like the jinn, have the ability to be invisible and to uh, to be in our world uh, apparently at their choosing, um, and for understandable reasons, uh, harboring a lot of uh, ill will against human beings. Our, our ancestors, even a couple of centuries ago, regarded the fairies with um, a lot of uh, serious respect. Uh, they were uh, uh, formidable beings. You didn't want to cross them. Uh, ideally, you didn't even want to interact with them too much because they were very temperamental and unpredictable and just as likely to do something mean to you as to be nice to you. So I, I yeah, do so consider them to be to be very real entities, and they're still present around us today.
2: Yeah. So leave out the cookies and milk. Like for Santa Claus, you're supposed to do that for the fairies too. And if they're they're really happy with you, they'll come and clean your house.
6: And That's like it. all beings, I think you know we tend to take a cookie cutter approach to uh, denizens of of the paranormal realities that. Uh, all entities, you know, all demons are this way, all angels are that way, all fairies are this way. And that's not the case. They're as varied as human beings. They have different temperaments. There are fairies who are very benevolent, who uh, have uh, a a more kindly attitude toward toward human beings and who are willing to uh, have some sort of cooperative relationship with human beings, which we see played out in intentional communities like Findhorn and Paralandra, Green Hope Farm, or people are working with these residents of the natural world, uh, the nature spirits and the fairies, to uh, to do this uh, experimental agriculture, flower essences, and uh, bringing a, a spiritual vibration into plant life for the purpose of uh, benefit to human beings.
2: I had a girlfriend back in the 90s who spent uh, a couple of years at Findhorn, and it's amazing. I mean she's you know, you heard of people with a green thumb, she's got a green arm. All she has to do is look at a plant and it, it it grows abnormally fast, super robust. It'll push you know, out of out of the pot. They it's just amazing. Her house is just filled with all these wonderful plants and and she always has kind of hinted around that she felt that she really gained this ability with plants. Uh, from the time she spent at Findhorn. it's interesting that you should bring that up. Well, here's another question, and I'm sure you've gotten this one quite a few times before, and you and I had a pretty strange experience last spring in the San Luis Valley, but uh, here's, <laughs> here's, here's the question. Finally, this is from Blowfish again. What is the most strangest encounter while researching your material, and have you experienced anything yourself? So in other words, what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you, Roe?
6: Oh, wow. So many weird experiences. Um, Shadow people, the shadow people form of gin, I would say. Uh, Since I got heavily involved in shadow people research, uh, this started around the end of 2004 for me. And uh, now the gin were something that uh, crossed my radar back in the late 1980s, but I didn't get uh, deeply involved in gin research until uh, about the time that I started doing shadow people research because... I started looking at the two of them as one and the same. And these entities are uh, unpredictable, they're formidable, they're creepy. Um, I have It's taken me into some very weird landscapes where uh, I've seen uh, quite a number of shape-shifted um, entity forms and weird animals in, um, in these dark, Powering figures that can materialize and dematerialize and um, they communicate by intent rather than uh, in any more overt way. Um, and it's often hard to protect yourself against these entities. Uh, probably the weirdest single experience I had was um, a gin location that uh, I have been investigating now for almost 3 years and I'm bringing it to a close because the principals are are moving off the scene but on one particular night uh where I was there with two other investigators uh for an all night investigation we had um a very strange poltergeist phenomena going on it's an it was an old farmhouse built in 1808 and um Sounds upstairs. Our equipment uh, kept going off. All of our cameras would go off at the same time. Um, I um, had—I was doing EVP uh, in one of the rooms in the farmhouse, and I had a spontaneous, um, superficial cut on my arm that I can't explain because I was sitting in the middle of the room with nothing around me. But it was a very small, superficial cut, like you would get with a box cutter. Uh, there was a shadow person that um, appeared in uh, the house that all of us could see and was quite menacing and throwing off a, a lot of very intense negative energy. We had these little things that I call the gray scurrying things, little gray scurrying things. They look like, uh, I would say, they, they, look, they look like cats with too many legs with no heads. And they run around... Um, They like to hug the walls around the baseboards and run up and down stairs. We had those going all over the place.
1: It sounds busy, but this is going to make us busy, too. We're listening to Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast,
7: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN
1: Radio Network.
12: That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com. Or call one 5 fake tv Each additional fake TV is only $29.95, so get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the
13: burglar deterrent. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer bio superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family learn more and order your bio superfood formulas at bioage.com spelled b-i-o-a-g-e.com bioage.com or call 877-288-9116 that's 877-288-9116 bioage the age of advanced organics
10: Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call one 800 346
14: We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- Three four six six eight two nine. That's eight hundred three four no tax.
11: Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast.
1: So, neighbors, if you have a comment or a question about the PowerCast, you know where to send it, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. We promise to read each and every message, Chris and I, and we'll try to answer most of them. And by the way, if you do want to join our team, you have a background in sales, especially online sales, and broadcast experience as a salesperson is a must, do write us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again. That's news at thepowercast.com. That's the vengeful Chris on The Powercast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien and Rosemary Ellen Guiley. You're talking about all these strange entities. Can you continue, Rosemary?
6: Well, it culminated, uh, the phenomena it sort of came to a head, uh, as is usually the case. You know, the energy builds up and then it just kind of it explodes in something, and then it, it usually goes quiet. Uh, that's a very predictable pattern in, in, in these cases. But at any rate, the, uh, the principal of, of the property, who was not there, uh, who often would be in the all-night investigations with us, nobody lived in the farmhouse. It was uh, used as sort of a, a management place for, for the farm. But at any rate, uh, he asked me to call him by midnight to uh, let him know that we we were all right. No cell phone service in this area, so our cell phones were useless. We had one landline. Very predictably, in a Hollywood fashion, the landline goes dead. I go to call him, can't get a call out. And it wasn't like it was totally dead. I could dial the number, and then as soon as I hit about four digits into the number... Uh, it would just start beeping, and the call would not go through. It didn't matter what number I called. And uh, no, so we couldn't get out by the landline, and we had one door in and out of this place that suddenly would not open. And if I hadn't been there myself, it, it's one of those hard things to believe. It's, it seems so Hollywood. How can a door get stuck that you can't get open? But it was like this door was dead bolted all up and down the inside of it. And the, other, the two investigators I was with, who were both big guys, all three of us tugging on this door, could not get it open. It would not come open. It was like, I just had the feeling of like, you know, you're in this movie where the entity is saying, get out, and then you can't get out because the doors are locked. It was, it was that crazy. Uh, And then suddenly, uh, after a lot of tugging and pulling, the door just sprang open. Like there was no problem at all whatsoever. I know it was not humidity because we'd been there.
2: (laughs) Jeez, how bizarre. uh,
6: You know, along, you know, many months in many environmental conditions and had never had a problem with the door even remotely sticking. And uh, so we decided that um, maybe it would be a good time to call it a night. And um, so we packed up our equipment. This is about 1.30 in the morning at this point. And uh, as we were going out to our vehicles to load up, uh, you could sense and see this almost like a, um, a gamut of dark, shadowy things in the trees watching us go. It's like, you know, they'll let the door hit you on the way out. Uh, and it was creepy. It was totally creepy. We had, this was a chicken farm. We had uh, murdered chickens in very mysterious ways. Uh, there were mutilated cats on the property, speeding balls of light on the hill, um, predator-like forms that would ripple around in the air and the trees, um, mysterious lights in the sky, landed craft, Bigfoot, werewolf creatures, demonic cats, um, that was my strangest case.
2: Oh my god. And where was this? Was this a Pennsylvania case or? <laughs>
6: um it's right on the border between uh Pennsylvania and West Virginia.
2: Oh my. That's that is a hotbed of activity right down there. Uh that's that would definitely be one to um to definitely make you sit up and take notice. So three years you were investigating that case. What did you ever get any real good uh, visual evidence any good recordings uh, photographs uh, any sort of uh, did you do any any sort of forensic uh, testing on the dead animals were you able to determine uh, sort of you know at least get a sense of what was behind some of the, the, the actual physical manifestations.
6: We had a lot of frustrations, just like uh, the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. You know, they would put up all this equipment and then never get anything, or the equipment would be messed around with or broken. We had a lot of things like that. Uh, there's one good photograph out of that case uh, showing a very strange form in a window. Uh, the case with the mutilated chickens, uh, that happened one night when I was there with just one other investigator, and um, the chickens, uh, the farm manager said that the the chickens, they were all laid out very neatly in a row, and they were not mangled like uh, one would expect with a fox or a predator. Um, they were behind an electrified fence, and um, he could not figure out what it was that had killed the chickens. Um, sometimes they, you know, chickens will die on their own, but these chickens had been they they hadn't just dropped dead. They had been killed, but not mangled, and then they had just been laid out uh, behind this electrified fence in a neat little row inside their pen. Well, for several weeks, um, predator traps were set out and and poison bait as well to see if it was some marauding uh, you know fox or something like that, and nothing was ever caught. Uh, so that was um, you know an, an unknown but uh, what what days- is
2: your sense i mean you you you've named off a whole litany of 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 types of phenomena uh what do you think it's like a portal area do you think it's a, a some sort of doorway uh what, what are your what are your conclusions i mean what what do you think is operative there my
6: assessment is that it isn't a portal area the uh, surrounding um area has a very long history of paranormal activity, uh, going back generations. So it's been documented in the local lore and anecdotal experience. And the dominant characteristics of the case really fit a very good gin profile. Uh, That is, there seemed to be a dominant entity on the property who considered it his place or its place, and did not like human beings coming on the scene and uh, creating disturbances. Now, one thing I've noticed in some of these gin cases is the, the entity seems to get very upset when you when human beings start doing things to trees. Now, some of them seem to be very fond of trees or certain trees. And uh, one of the things going on at, at the farm, besides the chicken farm, and farm had been dormant for a couple of decades and then got reactivated, and that's what seems to have started up all this activity, sits on abandoned mine tunnels. That's another... Hallmark of intense spirit activity, but there were a lot of woods where they were doing um, herbicidal culling of the trees, and uh, that seemed to get it very upset. Uh, this kind of slow murder of the trees through through herbicides. Now it did communicate. Um, we have uh, some communications on um, Frank's box kinds of devices, and we did do some. Um, some seance work where, uh, you know, a person acted as a medium uh, to get information. And uh, it communicated that, and this is what I have seen in other cases that seem to be gin cases as well, that uh, it had been here a very long time. Uh, It was far older than us and been on this piece of property uh, for a long time. And it considered it it's property and human beings were unwelcome. And uh, if human if the human beings did not leave, um, he would make everybody miserable until they left.
1: And I'll tell you yeah. what, we're gonna be very miserable if we don't break here. We have Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and we're talking about some really odd creatures and such. With Gene and Chris, you're in the paracast.
17: Folks, have you lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, this is going to be the most important message you'll ever hear. Because there's never been a better time to get ready for the winter power outages ahead. Here's why. Solar power generators are now available from our friends at Solutions from Science, one of our oldest sponsors. Their emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. Unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no fumes, and produces electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running quietly in your own home. Whether it's ice storms, brownouts, or blackouts, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. When the power goes out this winter, you'll be ready with a solar-powered generator from Solutions from Science. Go to MySolarBackup.com for more information. That's MySolarBackup.com or call 877-327-0365.
9: If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of eight or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of Alcavision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. Alkavision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today.
17: Hope that you do listen to the paracast because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal.
1: Rosemary Ellen Guiley joins us, longtime paranormal investigator, author of loads and loads and loads, and I say loads of books with Gene and Chris on the paracast. Okay, the skeptical viewpoint would say, how do you validate this communication is actually from this alleged creature, not something they kind of made up on the spot?
6: That's the uh, skeptical question that could be put to all mediumistic communication, and that's one of the things that frustrated psychical researchers, um, you know, with the founding of psychical research, which evolved into parapsychology, starting from as as an organized discipline in the the late 1800s, where scientists attempted to uh, prove mediumistic communications and no really verifiable proof was ever obtained there was always an argument that could be posed as to where the information comes from um, that you're you're interpreting things to to suit your uh, subconscious uh, wishes or your your own prevailing theories or uh, even more so the argument of supersci. and I've never really been a fan of supersci, but it's it's you know, technically hard to refute. Supersai holds that information exists everywhere and we do not know the bounds of consciousness, the unbounded consciousness. And so, technically, a medium might unwittingly access any information anywhere that could be um, unknowingly or sort of unconsciously. Constructed, reconstructed in a way as to seem to come from the dead or spirits or whatever, but the information is out there, sort of like in you know a big cosmic database. Well, Super Sai, uh has has been a big stumbling block to proving any sort of uh, mediumistic communications because it can't be disproved. You can't prove supersci but you can't disprove it either. And um, it's the same with mediumistic communications. Um, you can't really prove them, but you can't disprove them. So you're, you're left in this sort of uncomfortable twilight zone with piles of anecdotal evidence in support of something. And that's where a lot of the paranormal uh, has to fall back in, into evidence in support of rather than uh, scientific proof. Well, is there a way to bridge this
1: gap, Rosemary? <clears throat>
6: Right now, we don't seem to have it. Uh, and I can only hope that at some point uh, there's a, a development in science or uh, technology that uh, will enable us to um, to have that uh, that closure uh, between experience and science.
2: I'd love to get a gin and capture him and get him in in a faraday cage and Quiz him, have my way with him, interview him. Man, I would love that.
6: Plenty of people say that they can capture gin. Um, getting them to communicate is uh, another matter. But you know, we're still back in this, um, you know, this blurry anecdotal area as well. Now there do seem to be patterns to the communications um, in these cases that um, that I would say are gin cases. They're not demonic, they're not other kinds of entities, uh, they're djinn. And the the entity um, that's causing the problem acts in um, pattern sorts of ways that are similar, case-to-case, place-to-place. And that's one of the things that I've been uh, documenting in the past several years are what are these patterns of behaviors and communications but here again, you know, you're quite right, Gene. You know, it, it's it's still a long way off from proof. But I think when we when we can build these patterns of behavior and characteristics, uh, it bolsters the case for uh, a valid experience or a valid reality. Um, scientists may remain unconvinced, but Human beings have these experiences, and if they're not real, why are we having the experiences?
1: Is it a question here very much on some way to validate this? How do we validate reports of this experience?
6: The only way we can validate uh, these experiences are through uh, the eyewitnesses and the experiencers. And uh, investigators, you know, like myself, uh, we have our own experiences in the course of investigations, but the eyewitnesses are the ones who come to us uh, with reports of of their accounts. And it's often hard to evaluate eyewitnesses um, in terms of their, their credibility, Uh, Do they have uh, issues going on? Are they highly imaginative? Where does imagination leave off and real experience start? Or are they so blended together that um, it becomes difficult to separate them out?
1: And even to understand, I guess, if it is a real experience, whether this is a real experience or something, they're fantasizing.
6: Well, Sometimes it seems they are. I've uh, had many cases where uh, people have contacted me, and it seems to me that they're, um, my feeling is, my gut feeling is that they're projecting uh, onto the environment. Um, they've got other issues going on. Uh, for example, people who have domestic and family problems, um, if one of them has any sort of paranormal bent at all, uh, is what I would call like a psychic lightning rod, you know, just seems to stir phenomena up, and then uh, you um, put some sort of intense emotional issues into that environment, um, things may happen that may seem to be paranormal, but really are projections from, you know, human psychokinetic energy more than anything else, and they can be interpreted in certain ways, and this happens a lot to people who get calls on demonic cases, you know. Where, families say they they think they have a demonic spirit present and it's likely that they don't Uh, they've got other things that are creating disturbances but then on the other hand uh, you also have negative entities who like to take advantage of those kinds of of environments but that's the kind of thing
1: where you might have to feel that you're going to need to perform some kind of exorcism Uh,
6: sometimes exorcisms don't really help Um, people seem to think that um, we have eminent domain, uh, you know, and and, uh, that we can make anything go away. And that's not always the case. Anyone who's ever been involved in exorcisms or looked into infestations and um, intense negatively haunted places knows that uh, sometimes you just don't get the stuff to go away. And uh, there do seem to be entities who have what I call land rights, Uh, they are very territorial they seem to be able to have a toehold in the physical reality and the land itself on our side of things and they're just as determined to to be here as we are and um, sometimes we can dampen the energy down but uh, we can't make things completely go away
1: i'll tell you what we're going to have to go away in a couple of minutes where is your research going to take you from here
6: I'm continuing my Jin uh, research and um, uh, portal area uh, research. I have a new book coming out next year um, on multi-dimensional portals. That's not the title of the book. The book is called The Thinning Veil, but it is about multi-dimensional portals, the presence of Jin, and their relationship, especially the shadow people (EPs) and paranormal activity.
1: Wow, you're covering all bases.
6: Well, you know everything's interconnected, uh, Jean. and uh, I think that uh, we've the gin have have not been factored in to explanations and considerations in the past. They just haven't been on our radar and and I want to see them put on the radar. Uh, I think that they are a powerful factor going on. and because they are virtually unknown to most people in the West, I think that they've they've been able to make incredible inroads into the psychic landscape and uh, right under our noses and we don't even know it.
1: I'll tell you what, we have to know this. Where can we find more information about it?
6: www.visionaryliving.com is my main website and Universe, universe.com is my other website.
1: Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, you can always
2: find me here at the Paracast, forum.theparacast.com. I'm a moderator. We're redoing my website, Our Strange Planet, as we speak. And of course, uh, we'll be bringing that San Luis
1: Valley camera feed to uh, the Paracast uh, very shortly here in the new year. Rosemary Ellen Giley, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Paracast.
6: Thank you very much for a lively show. It's a pleasure to be on with you, Jean and Chris, and I look forward to seeing you again.